Ah, much better. Okay. okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so my memory of meeting you is at the Baldwin House. Yep. Uh, and is there, uh, yeah, I mean, do you remember where you were at in terms of, I mean, you were, you were in Slogan with Ned and, uh, and you, was that your first band? No, I, I was in a band in high school before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played guitar and I was very shy, very, very, very shy, uh, but I think that was the first, the high school band was probably like the first real band and when I played shows in Toronto and stuff. Um, yeah. How did you, uh, how did you end up playing shows in Toronto as a high school band? I met some people, I had a friend at Humberside High School and um, I met people through her. She played like a battle of the bands at school and then I met her bandmates and then um, they were looking for someone to play and I think I was just looking for a way to leave the suburbs um, so I jammed with them and it was great and they were really gothy and into the cramps and the cure and a lot of cool music and um, I think at the time I wasn't really happy with the options I had because it, you know you couldn't just hop on the internet so uh, anyway that was great and they mm-hmm. booked the shows and, and they seemed to know how to do it so I, I just you know, found a way to get myself to shows in Toronto and play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I actually turned around and faced the crowd uh, until I was, I don't know, until I played Picastro. I could not turn around. Okay. So that was, in, in either band, I just, my back was to the crowd the whole time. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. And yeah. so so when you were, so how did you end up, uh, like, wanting to, uh, play music like uh, in the first place like were you was it a friend thing was it a like like you and your oh. bedroom type thing was it um I don't even know I I, I, I don't know I think I must have tried it and found that I really liked it because I remember wanting to play drums first, but I couldn't afford a drum kit. And then I got my hands on a guitar and I figured out that I could write songs. Um, and then it became really easy, I think at that point. And it was just, it, it didn't really stop. Hmm. And I learned how to play, uh, you know, just like Jimi Hendrix songs or, or Led Zeppelin or something on guitar and then I figured out how to write songs. Um, and I grew up in a house with no music. So if I had music around, it was really like a precious commodity. Hmm. So I was very, uh, I don't know what the word is. You know, I was very intense. <laughs> I was very intense about it. So I think that kind of reflects in it in the music I play. But it's just, it was very valuable. Like it just felt really like hard to come by or something. Hmm. So, um, and I've since met a lot of, they're called CODAs, they're children of deaf adults. And I've since met a lot of CODAs and they've all played music and all have the same feeling about music, which is that they feel like they're, they deep down, there's a sort of a guilt associated hmm. with it. And hmm. they feel selfish because it's something that their family can't partake in. 
Um, but a lot of codas are in music or opera singers or musicians or it's actually really common. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting that the older I get and the more I, I explore, I realize that um, maybe it was sort of meant to be. Hmm. And I mean, yeah, growing up with, with uh, the parents and such. And so like that. I mean, the, to, in my mind, that could be something that's like, it's fully yours. Like, it's something that is right. like, yeah. in the way that like, say someone who grows up with like a famous writer, dad or mom, if they, you know, right. the idea of them becoming a writer is fraught with these kind of like, uh, I hope I'm as good as dad or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And that's for, true. for me as a you know, with my mom being a school teacher and my dad being a post postman, yep. like, uh, there was never any kind of, uh, concern around that. And like, yeah. as a, being a, a writer, it was, it was always just sort of like my thing. So, um, not that it was yeah. like super important, but I know that that played a factor, I guess. Sure. Yeah. But it's interesting that guilt aspect of it, because I, I've never felt that particular you know, emotion in regards to the, my chosen medium. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I think that guilt might play into it for some artists. Like, it, it, it doesn't even matter what the application is or the genre. But um, for me, it, it it's like an important part. And, um, uh, and I've heard from other codas that that's, that they do feel like. But yeah, you need to have something that's, your own because there's I think what ends up happening is that you become like this mini adult really young and you take on a lot of responsibility and then you kind of need to to leave it because you're just like this is too much you Mm. know so it's a lot of uh you feel guilt for leaving it you feel guilt that you can hear in the first place there's all these components to it so Mm. Mm. it could have been a painter you know like Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah. But I mean, especially as a teenager, uh, I mean, that's a, the classic teenager thing is to carve out some sort of space that is separate from your, your parents or separate yeah. from from your family in general often. And yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It, the, the age probably had a, a fair amount to do with it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you mentioned like the, the kind of, uh, I don't know, like... Uh, that in the early days you didn't like to look towards the audience, all that sort of stuff. So, so, um, do yeah, maybe t- talk a little bit about that and, and like where, where that's <laughs> gotten to at this age. Um, you know, like your, your whole kind of, uh, uh, how, how, if that's changed and how that's changed, uh, and the good and negative aspects of the change, just specifically um. related to, to, um, to performance, uh, and, and your kind of like, uh, presence on stage. I think now I, I can sort of read a crowd a little bit better. Whereas before I didn't even want to know, I, it's like, I didn't even want to know (laughs) because I was afraid that it would be bad. Like their reception of the music would be bad. Hmm. And so I just was protecting myself in advance so that I didn't pick up on any cues or I didn't even want to know, you know, Mm. and now um, I'm much better at reading a crowd and uh, 
And it and because the music is so intimate, like one guy in France said, we don't want to have you back because it's too intimate. And, and, and it was almost like it had, it had embarrassed them in some way or something. You know what I mean? Like it was too much. It was too mm-hmm. much. And it is too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much for me sometimes, but like, um, but I feel so much better after I play. Hmm. Uh, and I feel more like a he- like now I feel like I need to play music because I-, I need to feel human. I don't know if that's because people are, I don't know if it's technology that's sort of making people less in touch with their emotions and they're not really spending time with people. You know, there's a whole thing about that that's mm. separate. But I feel like now when I play, I feel like I'm a human again and... Um, I'm communicating with people and, and even if they're not paying attention to the whole show, I don't really expect them to anymore. Um, and I have a different take on it now. Um, it's usually pretty positive though. Like I don't, even if I think someone's talking too much, someone else is always paying attention. So it's not, I'm less, um, black and white about the whole thing. Mm. Well, it seems interesting because I mean, to me that your early shows um with the type of work you're doing although maybe maybe when you're you know when you're in those early bands you yeah. they, it was more conventional music right yeah so 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 the expectation like because what you do is kind of uh you know more challenging experimental as an adult like it's almost like like the reactions potentially could be much worse than if you're presenting yeah. work that's that's more conventional. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I think I can kind of uh, I think I just preemptively don't play shows now where I know it's just not going to it's just not going to happen, you know? Like mm. if I I'm not going to play in some small town I don't know how to I'm not saying I wouldn't play a small town. But I think that there's definitely situations that I just don't want to put myself in because it's just, they're just going to hear it and and go, well, that's, that doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. Um, But I mean, mind you, I've played small towns in Germany where they listen to free jazz and we've played and they're into it, you know? Hmm. I can't really say the same for some towns and, uh, New Brunswick or wherever, you know, and, like, mm. and I'm not sure that they really need it, you know, like maybe they just don't need that kind of music around and that's fine. So it's true. Yeah. I wonder if it's, uh, I wonder if it's the aspect of like the foreign, uh, like I, th- I feel like when you're like, it's not so much New Brunswick. I feel like if a German experimental artist was coming to New Brunswick yeah, they would get a different audience than you would as a Canadian going there. Good point. Yeah, yes, that's probably what it is. Yeah, because it's already like going to see someone from out of town or out of the country. Um, there's all sorts of different uh, different implications of that. Like people are like, "Wow, they're coming all this way!" Like it must be like worth listening to on some level, as opposed to like, I see. you know. Woman from Toronto playing this weird music, you know, like that. Yeah. There's almost like a, a familiarity breeds contempt sort of yes. thing in 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 effect. Um, yeah, hmm, interesting. So, 
so do you think like um i mean looking at like your your, the discography uh where where you know you can see everything about (laughs) it's weird looking at discographies and dates so you just have like you know album date album date and with you uh it's you know every two or three years um so so maybe talk a bit about um uh your feelings around productivity and and uh like like why is it every two to three years uh versus every six months or every eight years or whatnot um usually the songs uh, work themselves out in a, in a particular cycle. So there's a theme. I usually I, I usually have a concept for an album. Um, and there is one finished now. It's been wait. I, I'm still waiting for a release date. Um, so there's a lot of administrative stuff that kind of will delay things. And then there's just band stuff that will delay things and me being picky that will delay things. Um, and the band composition is very strange in that it, it's it's very flexible so it's whoever's around um i'm not very you know we usually have to work it out live first and it's very precise so even if it sounds messy or experimental it's actually composed so we have to get it right and and then we all like layering things on top like it's 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 a collaborative thing um and that will delay things and then on top of it you know i can be slow or i can be picky about what i want to be on a record so that seems to be the cycle it's funny that all the things you mentioned are like why it took so long instead of why are you so regularly productive (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) so 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 why why do you think you that your mind goes into that uh yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's good. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we should be putting out more records. Maybe it's because I have some peers that are very prolific. Um, but I, I think I'm also, I, I, I treat a record like a very, it's a very valuable thing. Or something. I don't know if anyone does anymore. I feel like no one listens to a record the whole way through, but, um, yeah, I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. I should uh, probably relax a bit about it. <laughs> well, so I mean, the peer sort of aspect. So, so digging into that sort of side of things. So, um, so the peers that that you that you're thinking of when you think of peers that are more productive. Yeah. Is um, uh, are you feeling? Do you feel like they get that they have that same uh, amount of quality do you think that they that they are producing stuff not not to compare your work specifically but do you think what makes a difference is the um the 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 like the specialness of the of the records that you that you're that you're trying to construct yeah i think like lately i've been i've been kind of obsessing a little bit about production and i'm like what makes a record what makes a record sound good and what makes it sound dated? Like, for example, I was thinking about all these records that I liked from the 70s. And when I first heard them, how horrible. Like, I when I first heard Patti Smith, I was like, this production is so cheesy and I hate it. But then you got to get past it. And it's the same with Yoko Ono. Like, you, I love her albums, but it could be hard to listen to. So I think artists who are prolific, who have home studios, 
<clears throat> and um, are able to record more. I find the production suffers a little bit in that it's the same or there's less contrast or there's less texture. And I'm a big texture freak. So with every recording, it's like I have to have a million. I, your ear has to basically go in all kinds of directions so that you're never bored. And I think about and then so if I think about doing another record, I probably have like two records planned in my head right now. And I would at this point in my life, I would maybe think about. Do I need to bring someone else? Do I need to think about um, how that's going to change it? I, I, I know I think about stuff like that when I compare myself to someone who's very prolific, mm. the, the sameness of the work. And I'm not sure that's something that, that appeals to me. So mm. the yeah. sameness to the work in the sense that like, it doesn't have the attention to detail or texture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find it, it's other things. Not so suffer. much the, the style of, of uh, no, yeah. like we, Graham and I were just talking about perfume genius and, um, I couldn't get into the, the new record and he just pointed out that the production was the most lush and the most, but then if you go back, I mean, he's a great songwriter regardless, but if you go back to his earlier recordings where it's pretty lo-fi and it's just him, um, they're they're better mm. they're just better so mm. for me they're better i mean maybe some people like large produce like uh, uh, i can't even think of the right there's some i mean some people just like other it, it's a style thing it's not really i'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing but for me i'm more i would gear more towards like something where the earlier stuff is a little bit more raw and, mm. and then and then maybe it's a bit more stripped down and has less production. His songs are good regardless. It doesn't matter. So, mm -hmm. um, but that was just one example where I thought of production and how it manifests itself in a record. Mm. So, I had this uh, I had this feeling about uh, Quentin Tarantino, which is yeah, like which is that when he got to the place where he was able to do Kill Bill, it was stripped free of all of his personality and it was all about forefronting all his the stuff he totally geeks out about in terms of like his influences and his yeah. like it was like he finally got to do kind of the movie he wanted but to my mind it was less interesting because it wasn't combined with like um you know his sort of film geek kind of patter and and dialogue and that kind of stuff i see that he was doing because it was what he could do, say, with Reservoir Dogs as, as his first movie. Yeah. Um, but to me, it was the synthesis of those things that made it more interesting. So, like, even though, like, it's like, I feel like sometimes artists, like, when they're working with constraints, um, end up with something way more interesting just because, uh, yeah, they're not, uh, you know, like, they're not sort of like recreating they're like they're not they, they can't really recreate the, the the kind of thing that they're looking to yeah to, to do but yeah. um so they have to kind of like you know kind of find these workarounds and and like uh additional things that 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 are true to them that that kind of come out of them um yeah yeah, yeah that's so it just it just makes me think when you're when you're talking about like um you know, like the lo-fi stuff. I mean, and that's that's definitely something a lot of artists 
a lot of musicians like and and fans really like is a sort of stripped down oh yeah more more raw it's more authentic it's like people feel like even though that sound has become a kind of commodity and a kind of style um yeah it's um it feels like uh yeah i mean some of the mountain goat stuff or like that i that sort of like that sort of like it's really it's really terrible production right but really and and uh but then yeah you go the other direction so i think it's interesting because it's like i feel like people are people get popular on the basis of a of a certain style and then they become um uh then they that gives them the 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 mobility to get out of that out of that style and into a place that's sort of like maybe it's like a reaction against the rawness so they get to uh yeah a too totally. highly produced sort of is it yeah. that seems to be your criticism of, of the, the artist you're talking about is that it yeah sort of too highly produced or? it's too produced mm-hmm. and it's 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 missing some of its soul in a way and yeah, you you lose the person sometimes, or you just hear the producer. I mean, that's that's the other thing is you just hear the producer making all these changes, but you then you don't hear the artist anymore. So, mm. when do you know, like, uh, yeah, when do you feel like okay, now it's time to stop tinkering and tweaking because it's going to get to that place of being overproduced? Um, and and do it's you like do the God, production yourself or no we all do it like mm. we all on this record we all did overdubs and we were all we weren't all there for mixing but we all had an opinion we all had very strong opinions about certain things mm. um for me it's a gut feeling for sure i i know when to stop um but i can also i mean ever since i started playing music i could hear things in my head so you know i do compose in reality but in my head i'll be like it needs this and i usually just go by texture so i i think oh this is the texture i want or i want like different uh registers of a flute or i want um a really low uh note on a saxophone just like just that or like i can hear stuff in my head and then it gets uh, i have to figure out maybe the instrumentation Mm. Um, and then I, I, I'm pretty good at knowing when to stop. Um, and then there's, yeah, cause there's some songs that are, it's, it's one guitar and that's it. And mm-hmm. that's all you need. So mm-hmm. I'm getting better at, well, I think I was always okay at that, that part. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that that's classically something that a lot of artists have anxiety around is like, yeah, is it ready? Is it like, so, so you seem pretty self-assured in that regard like yeah i'm so going back to the performance thing um is there like uh is it um yeah so so give me an example of like when you were playing in a in a band in your in your teens and not facing the audience yeah um versus um your feelings now when you're in front of an audience um I mean, maybe just at the beginning of the show, because like once, obviously, once people are interacting with you or paying attention or not yeah. paying attention, then it kind of goes into another place. But just in terms of what you bring to it individually or what you brought to it then and what you bring to it now, if it's the same, if there's like what, what, 
what's the voice in your head saying to you? Uh, I get nervous before every show. I mean, I don't, I don't like throw up anymore, but I mean, I still get nervous, but I think now. uh, Sorry, just to, just so, so when you say nervous, what does the, what, what's the internal? Um, I think it's just, it's all about, will people like it? Like it's, you ultimately, you're setting yourself up for rejection Mm. every single time. Mm -hmm. So it's just, are they going to like it? And, uh, yeah, I think, I think the, the thing about, I mean, I'm sure everybody says that, but says this, but I feel like my, the music I make is like really, uh, personal and really, I mean, even some of the lyrics are, they're pretty hard to take. Like, I don't think that, you know, I don't, I don't really like a lot of, I don't think a lot of people, I don't think there are a lot of great lyricists, let's put it that way. And I don't really relate to a lot of musicians sometimes. Um, and for that reason, I feel like when I play and I'm saying what I'm saying, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, uh, ballsy in a way. (laughs) And so I'm kind of revealing a lot and, and so to to put that much emotional energy into something, that takes a lot out of you. But then the rewards are higher. So now I would say, in contrast to when I was a teenager, like if I feel like I've connected with someone or I feel like there's a, a great emotional response, it's really rewarding and it's really amazing and I feel great. Um, but every single time I get nervous because I'm just putting so much in it that um it kind of wipes me out so if it's not reciprocated or received in some way it's a bit it's a bit devastating sure yeah i guess that's what it is yeah i mean it seems to me as well like i mean you have a clear aesthetic so you're talking about you know that the lyrics you don't really respond to a lot of lyrics um no and a lot of music like like, so, so when you're motivated to create something, and we've talked about this before, where you're sort of like, say, like, that you, that you see, you see something missing, or you, you, you think that yeah. something should exist. Yeah. Maybe talk a bit about that. Um, the, every time I make something and, you know, make art, whatever it is, I, it, it, it's always from a place of necessity, so with Picastro, or I mean, even if I started another project, it would be music that I don't think exists. And it's something I need to hear. I don't know how to, I don't know how else to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I, I mean, I'm not trying to sound arrogant. I really don't think that the older I get and the more refined I make things or I can, or the more refined my aesthetic gets and the more clear I am, I'm, I I don't think that it sounds like anything else. And I mean, people can compare you however much they want, but it's, it doesn't mean anything to me in the end. It's, that's the one thing that's kind of gotten clearer for me. Um, but I definitely create out of necessity and, uh, so those comparisons don't fi- you don't find them 
extremely irritating. You just like shrug. No. Yeah. No. I mean, now the only thing I thought was interesting was a year and a half ago, or maybe two years ago, I was in in the UK, and somebody was at the show, and she drove me back to the place I was staying at, and she said, "You know who you remind me of?" And I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, okay. <laughs> And then she said Sibyl Bear, which is this German folk singer who made one record. And she actually, like, out of all the comparisons I've ever gotten, that was probably, like, not not musically, but, like, singing style. Mm. She totally hit it on the head. I was mm. like, yeah, that that is pretty close, actually. Yeah. And, um... And just in that they're, you know, a singer with no ego in the voice and, you know, all these things that I've thought about, like the inflection and, um, uh, you know, just things that I, I find some singers don't pay attention to her phrasing. Like, I was like, well, that's actually pretty close. And I wasn't insulted at all. Like, I was mm. like, okay, you're paying attention. That means you're paying attention, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but... Uh, but anything else I, I i like i go okay you know whatever and i don't it's it's it doesn't it, it's i'm so indifferent towards it now mm-hmm. and has that changed from the very beginning yeah i think at first i got irritated and now i just i'm so um firmly in my spot that yeah. i just i don't even yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't do anything. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, like I think like a lot of, yeah, there's a sort of self-assured, assuredness. So, so the, the anxiety around performance um, has to do with the fact that you're, um, you're, you do feel like you've created something um, original and you're, you're anxious that people are going to reject it and it's a, becomes like a sort of self-rejection or a rejection of you as a person. Yeah. I mean, how often do you, I mean, it, when, when you think about people as social animals, like, yeah. like to me, that seems really reasonable because yeah. it's as if you were to say, okay, I'm going to go up in front of a whole crowd and tell pour my heart out and they're just going to laugh at me or they're going to yeah. ignore me exactly, or, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, yeah, so I could, yeah, that seems like, um, I mean, when people don't have anxiety around performance, I feel like their art is performance. Like, if they can be as self-assured as you are in your craft of, like, of, of making music, yeah, um, then it seems that it's like, uh, yeah, it seems like it's, it's the main thing that they're trying to do. So they're playing with the audience's rejection or acceptance of them yeah. and their, what they're up there doing. Whereas in, I mean, most musicians, and tell me if this is the case for you, but see performance as like uh, something that they don't necessarily, ideally they wouldn't have to do, or a lot of, a lot of especially kind of like artists that are... Um, that are kind of like with, you know, have quieter music or, you know, that isn't, yeah. that isn't sort of rambunctious music. Um, is that the case for you? Like, I mean, do you feel, I don't mind playing so much now. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I don't, I don't want to do it all the time unless I feel, uh, like I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to do that thing where you play 
a million shows in Toronto or something. You know, like it do, it doesn't do anything. It did. mm-hmm. It's not going to make me feel more like an artist or something. Right. So uh I'm I'm okay with no, I'm okay with playing live. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm just choosier about when I do it and I'm I'm I've been surprised. Like I've played shows in Toronto where I've been surprised at how well they've gone over and then I played shows in Toronto where I just wanted to start a fight. Like I wanted to just get into a physical fight with someone. So mm-hmm. It goes either way for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, that's, I don't know. Part of me wants to start another band just to explore that a little bit more because I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I, I'm okay with confrontation, and in a live setting, I could just turn into another person, and, you know, I don't know what would happen. What kind of music would you play? Um, just something loud and destructive i don't know like just i feel like there's there's a lot of room for other things um but uh a lot of room in like there's a room there's like uh, i feel like there's as much as there's i mean sometimes i think there's too much music out there but I, i still think that there's pockets that haven't been explored yet so something kind of loud and messy and yeah i don't know hmm Cool. Um, so, so how do you feel um, in general, and how has it changed about the, the 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 trappings around music, like the the business side, the industry side, all that kind of stuff? Like, um, yeah, and how how has it changed from when you started getting into it versus now? Um, the. <sighs> The availability of music online has sort of deconstructed sort of the label system uh, in a lot of ways and how people find music, which is is pretty interesting, actually. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, At the same time, I, I, I personally don't have time to do the administrative side of music, so I find it's been difficult uh to not to find a label or to find uh like a community basically what you're looking for really is a community to sort of help you with the admin side of music that's really not supposed to be a musician a musician's job you can do some of it i mean i do some of it i do a lot of it actually um because it's easier for me to talk to someone in serbia or italy or you know and just and book shows, I don't really need a middleman for that anymore. So that's been positive, but I find because there's so much music, and I mean, I'm talking, you know, you can get field recordings, you can get really obscure Indonesian music, you can get, you know, any kind of jazz you want. And, you know, like, it's, it's not really about modern music so much as the abundance of what you can find online, mm-hmm. I find it's really hard for people to find you. Um, and that's been trickier. I think in the past it was it was easier and maybe labels helped out that way. There were like a discoverability tool. Yeah, like yeah. it was a like a giant filter already in place. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, I know there's, there's Spotify and a lot of people use that to find music, but 
I mean, I still listen to certain radio stations. I still follow certain DJs and playlists and stuff. So I like, I look for kind of more traditional. I look for, I do look for music in a more traditional way or just talking to people. I went into Faith Void like a month ago and I bought a, a good record from Brazil from talking to the person. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I, I mean, that's a personal thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what I want. I want to go in somewhere and say, this is what I want to hear. And I want them to, make a recommendation. I want a person to give me a recommendation. Yeah, not an algorithm. Yeah. I don't want an algorithm. I, I find it super creepy. I find it's just, we're just living in this like weird big brother age and nobody seems to want to admit it. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I, I, I don't want that. I, mm-hmm. I, so music's been easier and harder um, because there's just too much of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, very saturated. It's very, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's nothing, I'm not saying it's bad necessarily, it's just, it's very different. Mm-hmm. And so, like, relationships to labels, has it, so, like, when you first started out to now, um, yeah. like, do you, yeah, how, how, how have things, like, in your own mind changed? Labels are... Labels are hurting, you know, they can't, you know, when I first started releasing records, I could sell 2000, like immediately, you know, and, and then there was always, uh, obviously, the number to go up, you know, like, it, it would only get better, mm-hmm. right? And then it kind of tapered off. And now it's just going down and down and down. Um, and digital sales don't really make up for production costs. Um especially with vinyl. So if you're putting out a CD, yeah, you know, it, it's pretty easy to recoup all that stuff. But labels have to think about PR and uh, paying themselves. And, you know, like there's just a lot. Um, and a lot of labels won't take anything on at all. Or they've just completely shut down. There's a couple of distributors in the U.S. who have shut down in the past few years. Um, I think that might just keep going. So, uh, it's hard for, I think it's a lot harder for labels hmm. and it's a lot of work. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I, I don't want to shortchange anyone cause it's running a label is a lot, it's a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It seems to me like, um, seems to me like it's going through the shift. I know that a lot yeah. of people have like, um, but I mean, I think as you're young, when you're younger, um, you tend to look at those, you know, um, like for, for me, it's publishers or whatever. You, you, you tend to look at those um, entities as like gatekeepers, right? And they're, yeah. and you want to get in, you want to get on the other side because on the other side, everything will be uh, great. And then you kind of go through a process of like, oh, okay, you see, you do, maybe you achieve that, you get into, um, you get onto a label or whatever, and then you find out, okay, they, they do this and they do this, they don't do this, they don't do this or whatever. Yeah. And you kind of get a sort of more granular understanding of what they do. Yeah. And I think the best way personally for artists to look at those entities, um, you know, and it could be an agent, it could be, you know, for for visual artists or or whatever, you know, managers or all those intermediaries as like potential partners that are just people that have pros and cons and you are making a mistake if you feel like they are the silver bullet for anything. 
Yeah. Like, it's always going to be like, you know, pro and con. Like, they're going to take a certain... They're going to, you know, take certain things and they're going to deliver certain things. And yeah. it's going to be a trade-off. And depending on your personality, it might be worth it or it might not be worth it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, yeah, the things that they bring... Like, in music, it's always been a little bit, to my mind... A label doesn't offer as much credibility as a publisher does to a writer. Right. It's an example, right? Yep. If someone has enough heat or like hype around them, then it kind of doesn't matter as much. Like, right. So it, you, people look at labels more critically in terms of like, what are they doing for the artists, and what you know, are they delivering value on the on what they're getting out of the arrangement, right? So, right. Um. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, um, I feel like, I mean, do you have a, do you have a kind of, um, like, is there a, like, to, to me, at one point, what became the, a realization was like, oh, like, for the volume that I'm, that I'm uh, producing, in terms of like, how many books I'm selling, and that kind of thing, there doesn't really, it kind of almost doesn't merit a person's time to be an intermediary for me. Right. Because if they're getting 10% of a small amount, it's sort of like, it's almost like, and I do think most artists don't really, don't really understand this until, well, sometimes not at all, but yeah. Um, like you have to be, you have to be making a certain amount of money for, that sliver of it to be worthwhile for, for an intermediary, like a manager, like a, yeah. a label. Yeah. Um, and that's like, in an ideal circumstance, that would be like the, the, man, the manager or the intermediary would be like, oh, I'm going to invest in you. You're not making me much money now. Five years from now, you're going to be making lots of money because X, Y, Z, this is my assumption. Um, or this is right. my gamble. I'm taking a gamble. Right. But, you know, as, as, uh, as things become more saturated and these sure bets become less of a sure bet, I mean, the types of people that are willing to take those risks for somebody else's artistic expression, uh, sure, you know, it sort of feels like, um, so yeah, so I mean, so we get algorithms now doing these works of these cultural mm -hmm. intermediaries for the same reason we have factories doing what artisanal craftspeople used to do, right? which is that it's just people don't want to spend that much money or, you know, like, so, so like, yeah. they... I, I know, but I, I just had this conversation with my friend, but I, I think I'm in the other percent. Like I, I have three different farmers, you know, I go, I, I, it's not convenient. It's not convenient. I meet my farmers once or twice, you know, I have different rotations. I get my meat from one guy, my milk, from, you know, it's raw milk because I don't trust the stuff in the store. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to a person. I want to go see where my food grows. Mm -hmm. You're totally right. Like people don't want to spend money on any of this, but there's still people like me who are like, I want to pay the guy <laughs> yeah. to make the artisanal cheese because it tastes better. Mm -hmm. And it, well, it is better. Yep. Um, and, and I know, and I know that I'm the minority. I, I know, like, oh, that's I, fine. I, you know, but you're right. You're right. It's, it, it's not worth anyone's, no, it's not worth time. I don't expect somebody to, the profit margin is so small. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. for, for art, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, but I, but I agree with you. And there's definitely a lot of people the same way that you don't want to put certain things in your, in your body as a, as a food source. There are people that culturally feel the same way. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to spend a little yeah. bit more money at the record store because I want there to be somebody who's supported by um, the dollars that I'm putting into it. Um, yeah. To become kind of an expert and a, and a recommender, um, you know, that, you know, that, that, that's a, that's a, I mean, almost, I mean, you could, I mean, with food, I mean, that analogy is pretty good because I feel like it's, it's, um, it's something that's important to us and it has impacts on our health in odd ways that we can't really like, you know, like, um, and it's, and it's personal, like the way that culture can be personal to us. Right. So, yeah. So like, so yeah, I mean, thinking about, I don't know, like either like looking at the, not so much of, not so much of like, like how the, the industry's changed or like, uh, things like the internet and all that kind of thing. But like, um, like when you think about things that like, cause to, to my mind, I think that when I look back at your career, it like from nine, like from 98 to now it's 20 years at this stage, right? Like, um, it's, it's, um, it's remarkably consistent, like in terms of like the, the type of work you're producing, I mean, I say this is somebody who's bounced around way more, right? Right, like, right, into different, yeah. different mediums and different things. Yeah. So, so, but is how much of that is the like reality, or how much of that is um, like my perception? Like, where are the inflection points for you? If you think back on on the last two decades, where you're like, where you learned a thing, or you realized a thing that caused you to change your relationship to music, um, you've like, I call it the joy of being wrong sometimes because you realize like, Oh shoot, this thing I ignore. Like for me recently it's been drone music. Okay. It's like before I sort of classified it all this sort of like pretentious, unlistenable kind of like experimental and usually like abrasive, um, music. Whereas in through variety of like artists and people who have, it recommended different artists i've been like wow this is like and some algorithms i have to admit yeah um there's there's been kind of like oh this is like something that's uh that really works for me now at this particular time in my life yeah (laughs) you know which which is great to realize that you're you've been wrong i mean i'm not like when i say i'm wrong i was wrong i was not wrong for 25 year old jim but 45 year old jim is yeah. Is in a different place. So I guess like, so sometimes it's not just that you're wrong. It's just that your your own, what you need from life has changed enough that something that was previously not useful or interesting has become interesting. I, my opinion about a lot of music has changed. Whereas I used to be very selective. Now I don't, I don't rule anything out anymore. Mm. Like mm. I'm, I'm totally open. And mm-hmm. I like you where I think, well, at at a certain point in my life, this kind of music will be relevant to me. It's not relevant right now. That doesn't mean it's not going to be relevant at some point. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, I've opened up that way. And the other thing that happened was I started that film 
10 years ago, which I didn't have time to finish because of the kids. And now I'm finishing. And it, again, it's something I'm creating out of necessity because I really don't, I've never seen a film that's been narrated by sound. And I learned from that experience that I really don't want to work in film because it had the opposite effect. Like for me, music is like this instant. I mean, sometimes it takes a few months to finish a song, but sometimes it takes you five minutes to write a song and the results are immediate and you have an audience and, you know, and then with film, that whole experience, I didn't enjoy it. It was too much planning. It wasn't instant at all. Like it, like there was just so many factors that I learned, like, uh, you know, that I thought I wanted to work in film and, and now I'm, you know, I'm, Sure, I don't. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, work in sculpture or something than that, you know. So that's one thing I've learned. Musically, I don't know. I don't know what's changed other than um, the, I think, like, my attention to vocal treatment has changed quite a bit. Like, this, the last record we just finished has... Every single song has a different vocalist. So I was like playing around with that. And then like eventually I want to do like a whole record of just experimental choral music, you know, hopefully with deaf singers, you know, like I, hmm. like I, I can, I can sort of assemble things in my head, but it's because I've learned that singing isn't, singing was an instrument for me at one point and not a traditional, like I, I never really thought of singing as being the same as I always thought of it as the same as a guitar, like it just was there, it was a texture, but it really, you know, I wasn't Aretha Franklin or something. And now I can sort of, I can see the strength of a vocal track and what it can do. But again, like I think about, like I, if I listen to a singer now, especially a certain style of music, um, I I can pick it apart, like in, in, in very, uh, intricate ways like mm -hmm. just i can break it all down mm -hmm. and um i don't know i that's probably just me i'm probably just insanely picky but i mean at the same time like lou reed's probably one of my favorite singers <laughs> and that sounds weird but like really he's a great songwriter and he his singing doesn't have to be. And then they brought in Nico and she did the same thing. She was mm -hmm. just better looking, you know? So <laughs> it's like it, it, but that has a place like that. Um, but that has a, that coming style. Uh, yeah. I've thought about vocals over the past 20 years and that's evolved. I'd say the most interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, vocals and I think with singing, and I definitely got that from your earth stuff, which is like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's buried. The, yeah, yeah. It's buried. And, and it's like, I, I have, I had an interesting kind of, uh, like I used to find, um, lyrics primarily the most important thing. Yeah. Like as a, and as a writer, it kind of makes sense. Like I was listening, yeah. you know, Billy Bragg and, and, uh, you know, I don't know, like the Smiths and like, like yeah. stuff like that in my teens and like dead Kennedys, all those sort of like, very forefronted lyrical sort of like uh like i didn't even sound care what the i mean the voice was kind of important but not as important as the content of the lyrics which yeah. is so it's such a weird but it was my entry point and then yeah. i you know discovered stuff like pavement where it's sort of like lyrics are pretty nonsensical and, and evocative and interesting in different ways but yeah. not not in the same kind of direct 
I'm singing about this thing, right? Yeah. Like uh, that, that, the, you know, and, 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 uh, and yeah. So for me, that, that sort of shift was really important and opened up a whole new spectrum of music to me that previously I'd just been like, I can't hear what they're saying. There's no lyric sheet in this. I have no interest in it. Like, yeah. Which is like, sure. You know, so, so it's exciting to have that. And it's, and it's exciting too, like, as you were saying, like, it sounds to me like there was a little bit of like, yeah, yeah, people think voices are important, but or or, or like singing is important, but mm, whatever. Uh, yeah. And I kind of with the, my writing trajectory, I've I've felt like that about plot for a lot of the yeah, time. Like I'm like sure. characters are the only thing that matters, and yeah. I just focus on that. And then the plot is sort of a like I was like, yeah, plot's something interesting that happens to my characters. Like I care, like the, the exactly, yeah. yeah. I agree. It's it's like, yeah. Film. I mean, film really does work in the same way. Like you can you you can have a plot, but at the same time, you can. We were just talking about only lovers left alive. Like a bunch of people on that. It's like it's a mood. I don't know if there's a plot really. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a point. But mm-hmm. is that? But but I liked it. You know. Yep. So you can just have that. Like it doesn't. It doesn't have to be, a traditional. You don't have to take the traditional components of anything, really. Yeah. And, like, I, we were in San Francisco in February, and there was a Rauschenberg retrospective at the MoMA. And I totally forgot, like, how big a deal that painter made on my music and everything. Mm. And that time in my life, like, just being a teenager and seeing paintings like that, that were just messy and thick and texture and, like, you know, like, you don't have to have, it doesn't have to be a thing. Like, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to, you know, it, it it's whatever you want, really. So, it, yeah, you're right. You just take the elements that you want, I guess, over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and sort of, like, you get to order them in the way that you find important. Yeah. Uh, and that can change over time. And, like, for me, it's been exciting uh, realizing, like, I wrote something with a 3X structure, which I had hated just just the way that people would talk about it in film yeah as like this holy grail or even when people talk about story in film sometimes like it's all about the story yeah (laughs) it's just like oh shut up it's like it's not nothing's all all about anything like it's not there's not one thing it's about pop story is very popular but it's definitely then there's something that comes out that just blows all that out of the water and that's ideally what you want you want to be transformed in like blown away by by art and approaches to your craft especially your own craft i mean it's so exciting yeah. to discover something that's like um that really excites you so so yeah i mean like so i mean it seems like for me looking from the outside that like a lot of it has to do with expressiveness there's an expression like in when people talk about the positive aspects of art it's often about that it's a vehicle for expression. It's like a yeah. way for you to reflect what's on the inside and the outside and, and that kind of thing. Um, but like, uh, like the, when, when you think about the things that have, that kind of keep you going, like, um, and keep you like the drive, the artistic drive, like one of the things I'm kind of trying to kind of, um, think about is like the some of the negative aspects of artistic drive um and how it's impacted how certain things like which i had 
completely assumed to be positives like my level of production or like regular working and always keeping moving and going on to something new and keeping inspired and all the right. rest of it. Like all those things, like looking at it as like, and what has that cost me, that, that style of, of production? Um, yeah. and, and again, from the outside, people look at me and see someone that's pretty driven like and yeah. and and productive and working all the time and all that kind of stuff and and I've definitely fed off of that in the past but I'm sort of trying to assess like if I was to do it differently what would it bring to my practice into my life right yeah so I mean have you thought about the sort of like that sort of like when you think about yourself do you think about yourself as a driven as being as having artistic drive um and i mean because usually that i have to say like that yeah yeah i'm i i wouldn't say i have drive i would say i'm very meticulous like i uh, when i make something it's like it's hyper focused you know Um, i mean and that tells me that i need to make it so but i don't think i i don't know if i have drive um but at the same time, I do in a way in the sense that, like, I can't stand it if it weren't going to get made. Yes. Like, it would make me crazy to be like, if, like, for example, if I don't finish this film, I'm like, I can't not finish this film because I've never seen a film like that. And it would kill me to not put that in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Even if two people see it, it yes. doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, so, in a way, it is a kind of drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not an ambitious person, I guess. That, that's often conflated with it, Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's not the same thing, and I don't know why ambition got so highly regarded. Like, I don't, I, some of the smartest people I know are not ambitious. That doesn't mean that they're not intelligent or have things to say. It's just that they don't care about making lots of money or being popular with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I find that's a problem in society, that that turn, I don't know or success or ambition like that that means something that i'm not i think the value is not placed on the right elements or something Hmm. yeah and like when you see like i mean like for instance i mean you do uh you do touring and like that kind of thing like there's like there are and i think it's all relative to what um what you expect from yourself or expect from other people or whatever but um, yeah, I mean, there, there'd be some people who'd be like, oh yeah, Liz is always, you know, touring and traveling. Like what, what, what is at the basis, like for something that's like, I mean, as you say, like when it goes well, it's, it's a really amazing feeling, Yeah. but sometimes it goes poorly. And I, yeah. even not to do with music, but like when I was doing readings, I mean, it's the highs and the lows that very, can be very isolating because you're on your own or, or yeah. you're with people that you may be you know, uh, tired of being with, or, you know, like you feel kind of trapped into this track of like, I got six more cities or whatever the case may be. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so, so why, um, what pushes you towards doing that? Like what drives you to set up those tours and to, to, to do it? Um, I had this conversation a long time ago with my analyst and it was about, you got to find your people. Like you, 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 you're kind of always leaving because you find your people. And then when you find your people, it's like you found your family, you know? So if I, like I was telling my friend last night, I, I played the show in San Francisco on this woman from LA and she was like the night, you know, she was just like a really nice, lovely person. And then I 
the last show I played in London, England, this guy came up to me after the show and he's like, you know, I, I, it took me two and a half hours to get here, but there's, there's really no one like you. Like it's, it's you know, like that's, there's just no one like you. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when I meet someone who, who gets, who understands the music I'm playing and who likes it, I usually like them, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm usually like, you make Oh, friends. yeah, yeah, we're, we're friends because mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I want to meet you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Cause, they, and they're, you know, they're empathetic and they, they have all these qualities that, that I think I like try and put out. So I think you, you constantly travel cause you're like, is this, do these people, are they around? Yeah. Like, so that's all it is. It's like, it's even if it's like five people in Berlin or, or, you know, I've had really great shows in New York. Like people think that New York's tough, but you know, man, they're, they're ready for, mm-hmm. if if you give them emotion, man, they're, they're ready for it. You yeah. Know, they want it. So yeah. it's, but you gotta kind of, you gotta put yourself out there to, to find all of that. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that seems to be that makes a lot of sense to me. Like in the sense that, like, uh, you're creating stuff, and it's you. It's like tangible, physical affirmation that you're not just throwing stuff into the void. And, exactly. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And you see, you make those connections and make those. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, um, yeah, emotional connections rather than like network connection. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't. I mean you don't need to keep in touch with them or anything, but like you just know that they're there is nice. That's it. Yeah. That they exist in the world. When you think about your, when you think about an audience, you're not thinking about a vague, like list of, (laughs) of, of, uh, demographic sort of things. You're thinking about this person. Yeah. I, I mean, I find like, I feel, I feel quite heartened sometimes by, like just at one email, someone read a book of mine years ago or whatever. Yeah, of course. And 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 wants me to write another one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, like and 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 that's like, yeah. I mean, to me, it's a it's at a level of like it, it's um. And I do feel like a lot of artists, like whether or not they they acknowledge it, have a good, like I mean, I think every. I think there's a like a lot of people that just sort of feel like, well, if we kind of increase, like, you're just going to get more and more people um, to right. do like to accumulate to build audience. Like people, that's the big thing these days. People are right. that's the primary mode, and I don't think it's a bad change. Like from the difference between a a, a time where a lot of artists were focused on like. Um, getting in with gatekeepers like publishers and labels yeah. and like schmoozing and doing those things because because those are the people that could connect them with an audience. Now it's actually possible to connect and to uh, build an audience directly. Yeah. Um, you know, which is exciting. It, it has like it's not a idyllic utopic sort of scenario. There's lots of negatives, but it is a kind of more direct thing. Right. Um, but yeah, just the idea that. Uh, you can you can do that in building audience and but I I would I would say like one of the things that people don't talk about enough is like it's not it's actually not about building ten thousand followers it's it's about you know the x amount whatever that amount is for you 
that is like the, that are the audience that are the kind of right audience that are going to be supportive without being super demanding or weird or yeah. like you know kind of like you know requ like require all sorts of things of you like i i have seen people that are in that situation where they spend like a couple hours a day maintaining their community uh online yeah like they like in oh, and, or, or you know like i mean they have to it's like friends friends that are like you know they get tons of emails and they respond to all of them wow. like as an example wow like and and because they don't want to be that guy that doesn't get back to people and i totally get that and i feel like I don't think I, I wouldn't make an argument that it's the moral thing to do. But as someone who has an overdeveloped sense of responsibility, I, I'm kind of like, no, unfortunately, I feel like I would probably be that guy, too. Like I would be if I had that. Oh, many. I you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I feel like and that means other things suffer. And it could be just your own personal, um, you know, your own free time that you that you spend right. kind of like responding to people yeah. so i do feel like there's a sense of like everybody wants a big audience but but actually i mean there's a kind of i feel like there's kind of an optimum audience that you could have that would be supportive of you and sometimes it's not just like the financial support sort of side of things but just enough to kind of like yeah i want to keep making stuff because x and y is interested in it and they they like we like sometimes it's just we have these great conversations afterwards or, you yeah. know, like I, f I found all these cool people that I can hang out with, you know, like right. as artists, like, you know, like we are really fixated on the idea of like um, on the economic sort of side of things and like it being yeah. the, 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 the kind of is someone a real artist? Are they making their full income from their, oh, I see. you know, like right, that right, right. kind of thing, like yeah. which is. Which is, I think, you and I know is nonsense, but, like, it is this continual thing in our culture that is sort of, like, you know, and because it's so different depending on what your needs are. Like, if you're a person, you know, that can live off $10,000 a year, yeah, then, you know, you being an artist and, uh, you know, you being supported by your art as an artist is is a much more feasible thing than if you have... A family, a mortgage, a house, a car, etc. That yeah. you know pushes it up to fifty thousand a year. That's your minimum, right? To, right. to kind of like live off of. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it's sort of like um, I think to me that that uh, yeah that sort of you know finding your people is really important and like and that it's an ongoing thing and. And, yeah, and uh, and it isn't like a goal oriented thing. It's just sort of like it's a process. As, as they yeah. Say. yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. When you read that article, anything else pop into your head? It's like that we haven't talked about. Um, I I'm kind of curious when you yeah because your internal person or your doppelganger. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of I'm I'd be curious to hear what other people have to say about that like if they have sort of nagging voices that cuz I don't know if I have like another person but I definitely have another like I have I have feel like I have an internal voice that's just sort of overrun with emotion all of the time and hmm. it's just sort of overwhelming. Mhm. Mm and that's why I make music ultimately. Like, I mean it is anxiety too but um but then it, I don't know. Yeah, I was, I, anyway, that's just one point I was, I was curious if like other people had that relationship. Hmm. 
I mean, for me, yeah, the idea of calling that nihilistic uh, voice Niles was like, yeah, it was like a big step because it for me was like um, up until that point, I, I was just sort of like kind of pushing that voice away. I wasn't recognizing like so. So I think like the personification of that, it's, it's like a little hokey, but at the same time, it sort of has um it clarified things in a way that i'm like okay so like this person is part of me this is an aspect of me like so yeah. so like rather than like um yeah so so when you talk about the sort of emotions and and that kind of stuff like so yeah. you present as not emotional like that's the thing that's sort of like, so so <laughs> right. like how does that work well i, I mean i'm not gonna you know, go on stage and cry and stuff. But like, it, um, par- I mean, part of the reason why I make music in general is because I have that, that's just the outlet for having too many emotions. And then maybe also suspecting that I am the only one, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm like, why am I the one that is like, feel so intensely about everything? Like, mm-hmm. how is this possible? You know? So I think, and then I, when I got that feedback in France, I was like, oh, it is like pretty, I guess it's pretty intense, intimate music. And it's not, maybe other people don't feel that way, like at all. Or they have, a, or they have amazing control over their emotions. And it's not, that's fantastic, you know. But the older I get and the more people, especially in our age category, I'm like, that's not the case at all. It means it means that you're repressed. <laughs> like yes. it doesn't, I thought that everyone had it together, but now I'm like, no, it's, there's nothing wrong with, with acknowledging that you, that you have all of these feelings. I just, I think I feel overwhelmed. Like I, I feel like if, if I, you know, like I'm the kind of person where if I read an article or I, I mean, I have days where I can't listen to democracy now because it's children, DACA kids being ripped apart from their parents and in somewhere in the States and crying and Mm -hmm. I just become a total mess, you know, like I can't even, I can relate so fully that I just become, you know, a shell of a person. So I just, I don't know. I think the reason why I create is because I'm just, I'm so in touch that I'm like, this is too many. Like this is is like, (laughs) this is like going to paralyze me at some point, you know? So so I was thinking when I read your article, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, what? maybe that's my person, you know, or I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I and mean... I, I, felt, I, I felt like, I know this is a strange thing, but when I read Mike Tyson's autobiography, that's the feeling I got, to be totally honest, was that he was just like, you know, had this really insanely rough life and had like crazy intense emotions. And then like, I was like, well, this is you know, a way to harness them. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I was like, wow, there's other people that, anyway, mm-hmm. that's kind of off topic. Boxing, no, no, no. I boxing think is, is it, it to me, boxing is an art form. I mean, the longer I do it, the more I feel like boxing is an art form. And there's, there's ways that you, it is actually about emotional efficiency and restraint. Like you can't go in there. You can't go in and be a total mess. You have to be like actually pretty in check with yourself. Mm. so it's interesting from a creative perspective to think about it that way but anyway yeah yeah well yeah that's interesting like because when you've uh yeah when you've been so yeah you've been doing boxing for like a long time eh? like 12 years yeah yeah yeah. and it's sort of like I, i find it like there are these practices that kind of like 
it's almost like they're counterbalances for yeah um for how your emotional life is like for me i do is yoga embarrassingly yeah <laughs> no but it's great yeah. yeah but i think it's interesting that's like um that it's uh yeah that we both have these uh these things that like we discover and like we're like oh this actually because i tried boxing and it doesn't it doesn't work for me uh, yeah like a, as a just emotionally there's too much there's too much it's too much in sync with what i feel is a public perception of of me or as right uh, as i physically present right so my like my grandfather was a boxer and stuff like that so i like have an actual like uh yeah so so to me it doesn't feel like a good outlet um no it it, it feels like i'm fulfilling a some sort of like genetic heritage or something sure um and i think it's sort of similar to mention that sort of like or to to refer back in the beginning when I was talking about like if you have a dad who's like a writer and then you become yeah. a writer it doesn't feel like it's yours right no. and I mean not that yoga feels like it's mine but it, it's an unexpected thing for me that has physical benefits that counteract my my lifestyle which is very sedentary you know and right. and my back which is tends to be get stiff and sore if I don't do yoga right yeah. so it's kind of like you know, I think it's interesting that there's, um, and I mean, for you, so how does it break down? So boxing in terms of like the physical benefits versus the sort of like psychological benefits or the sort of like, um, I've, I've, I've had insomnia for a really long time. So it helps me sleep Mm because it just wears me out. So Mm -hmm. that's the physical benefit. And then the physiological, I think it helps me focus on, um, it helps me sort of, uh, tamp down the emotions in in a certain way Hmm. so like but at the same time if i'm sparring with somebody and someone's really super stiff it's it it's it's like it's like no contest you know and like the boxing teacher will say like you're not you're not you gotta let the you like gotta let it go like so it's weird it's like this weird control thing where you you have to when you box you have to let your emotions come out but you also have to protect yourself and you have to to be strategic like you have to look for openings and you have to it's it's uh it's a good thing for your 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 brain has to do a lot of planning in a way and 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 you have to trick your body into not being because it's uh i learned just recently that if you do cardio with your arms up like tennis or boxing it's actually much harder so that's why three rounds of doing this is harder than Mm. than just just doing this right so so sometimes you're physically exhausted and you kind of have to trick yourself into into just you just have to keep going because otherwise you get punched in the face. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's very the the cause and effect thing is just like it's right there. Mm-hmm. So it focuses you into the now. Oh yeah. yeah, you 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 cannot think about anything else. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely drifted off and been punched or like hit. And I, and that's it's not even necessarily bad. Like mm-hmm. I'm like oh okay you know mm-hmm. that happened. Um. Because I wasn't paying attention, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. It's weird. Mm. But anyway, that's just that's an aside. But I I do think boxing is is, is like a, a kind of a creative thing too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's expressive for sure, right? Totally. Like, yeah. 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 It's like um, yeah. And there's like uh, yeah. So so like to to talk about that um like the feeling of like the the uh 
the way so so how does so when you're when you're talking about the um the way that the overwhelming emotions are kind of channeled through into music yeah um and so and so is that like um in the creation of music in the uh in the performance of it both uh how, how is both. that yeah yeah i think about like how aggressively i'm playing guitar how i'm plucking the strings and then i think about how i'm going to change my voice in a particular way mm-hmm. you know why it it should sound kind of uh you know i i don't know what the term is but there's like a kind of a singing style that uh so i would say like without ego like where it's just you know it's very pure so mm-hmm. i'd like make it as pure as possible or make it as like honest as possible or as humble as possible you know there's like some humiliation there but like it it's really i have to think about yeah everything like mm-hmm. just the way it's being put together um yeah cool yeah yeah and like um yeah and so so like as an example like i mean and boxing and i think boxing is about humiliation and i think my music there's a there's a humiliation component in there mm. like and i don't know if it's something i need to work through or if it's like but it's definitely something i've thought of for the past 20 years how that is like a theme Mm, mm -hmm, whether mm -hmm. i'm doing it because i want to humiliate myself or i somehow i don't know i don't Mm. know what's there (laughs) yeah there's that risk of uh yeah it's that kind of uh it's a powerful feeling for you and so it's sort of like a way for you to kind of engage with it maybe or i need to confront it i think Mm -hmm. maybe that's what it is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah So 